Praise be Jesus Christ. A friend just said to me uh, recently, something I've been thinking about a lot, said the only infinite capacity of man is self-deception. We can go our entire lives thinking that we're exactly as we're supposed to be. And it oftentimes it takes a great wake-up call. Um, we hear that saying, a wake-up call. Suddenly I realize, you know, I was in the dark. I was dead. I was doing something wrong. And all of a sudden, I understand. You know, and I have the, the possibility to convert. So something that's been coming up a lot, I've been hearing about an illumination of conscience. And this is something that has been talked about for the past at least probably 30, 40 years um, about the coming tribulations. And before the 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 great fallout um there'll be a great uh illumination of conscience where god in a final act of mercy will give many people the ability to see themselves in his light therefore to know their sins and have the chance to convert he always says i come first in my mercy before i come in judgment and this is actually what he said to saint faustina in her diary she writes about in number 83 christ says I have eternity for punishing sinners, and so I am not, I am prolonging the time of mercy for the sake of them. But woe to them if they do not recognize this time of my visitation. Before I come as the just judge, I am coming first as the king of mercy. Before the day of justice arrives, there will be given to people a sign in the heavens of this sort. All light in the heavens will be extinguished and there will be great darkness over the whole earth. Then the sign of the cross will be seen in the sky, and from the openings where the hands and the feet of the Savior were nailed will come forth great lights, which will light up the earth for a period of time. This will take place shortly before the last day. So not only an illumination just in the sky, but with that, an illumination of conscience for people to recognize Christ as the true Messiah, God come in the flesh, and also to see our lives in light of that. Um, that that understanding of an illumination of conscience, where we're able to see ourselves as we truly are before God. Um, you think about the Pharisees. They had Christ right before him, the Messiah whom they prayed for constantly, and yet they rejected him. And how many, even the Romans, when they stood before God in the flesh, they did not recognize him. They did not receive him. Right? So the moment of truth comes when we can we can truly see ourselves in God's light and choose yes or no from him. So an illumination of, consci- of conscience is almost at that moment when you, you say, you know, what have I done? You know, what would have been the sins in my life? What do I need repentance for? Numbers uh, 32 verse 23 says, And be sure your sins in the end will find you out. That no one can hide forever uh, from the wrong that they have done. So you look at the prodigal son. When the famine came, and the famine was, in a sense, it was a gift uh, to wake him up. It was only when the famine came and he was eaten from the pig's gut that he said, the scripture says, he came to his senses. He came to himself. And with that coming to his senses, that awakening, he realized he had to turn back to the father's house. He had to go back. Dante's Inferno, the beginning of that, uh, his Paradise trilogy, um, Divine Comedy, in his first book, 
he opens with the lines, Midway through the journey of my life, I came to myself in a deep and dark wood, for the straight way was lost. So halfway through the journey of his life, he says, I came to myself. No different than the prodigal son. He came to his senses. And so there was an illumination, and he discovered that he was in a deep and dark wood. The straight way was lost. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. This was similar to uh, David, an illumination of conscience for David. After he had committed the sin with Bathsheba by sleeping with her and then killing uh, Uriah, her husband, what happens? The Lord sent Nathan to David. Scripture says, when he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who came to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then what was Nathan's response to David? You are the man. You are the man. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned grievously against the Lord. That was his, emo his moment of illumination of conscience. But you think about it, he was going on with his life as if nothing had happened. He didn't recognize the sin he had committed, the wrong he was guilty of, until that illumination came, and then he had the choice to repent. Same thing with Judas. It was only after Judas betrayed Christ, handed him over for the 30 pieces of silver, he realized the evil that he had done, and he tried to give the money back to the Pharisees. I've sinned against innocent blood. I can't keep this money. So he had an illumination. He was going deeper and deeper into the darkness before he betrayed Christ. But something happened where he realized afterwards the evil he had done. But sadly, he, we don't see him so much repenting as falling into despair. You know, Peter did the same thing. Peter denied Christ three times. And it was when the cock crowed or when Jesus looked at him, it said, also in, the, in another gospel, that he realized what he had done, and he went out and wept bitterly. That illumination of conscience. And Peter repented of it, right? He, In the end, he ended up giving his life for Christ, um, suffering martyrdom for it. So those are the kind of the two responses we can have. We can fall into despair when we see our sins, or we can convert and use it as the very means of growing in love with Christ. but So Abby Johnson, another example of an illumination of conscience, she worked for Planned Parenthood for like almost a decade, participated in numerous abortions, promoting it for years, getting like best worker of the year. And then at one point, when she actually witnesses the abortion of a child, um, when she has to hold the instrument to see it, uh, 
she has an illumination of conscience and she realizes that what she has been participating in for all this time has been murder right and she repents she has that illumination and she turns away so the illumination of conscience is when we see the truth and we see the truth for how it affected us and then we have the moment the opportunity to turn back to the lord and this is actually seen in a very powerful way in one priest who had a near-death experience his name is father shire i really recommend you can watch his interviews just has a couple of them on um, youtube one with mother angelica on ewtn um, father stephen shire he was ordained a priest in 1973 he believed he was a good priest you know people liked him he was joyful and made people laugh but the way he described his priesthood was in in his own words was more like a cruise ship than a catholic church so he he wanted to make people feel like they were having a good time feel good you know not really to be converted to christ not to call out sin not to help them to grow in love with Christ and imitate the lives of the great saints, but to tell everyone that, you know, you're just fine the way you are, everyone goes to heaven, and enjoy yourselves. He said his only goal in life as a priest was not to rock the boat. That was it. No controversy. But on October 18th, 1985, he had a, an illumination. Father Shire was traveling from Wichita to Kansas, and he was involved in a head-on collision with a pickup truck. He was thrown from his vehicle and he suffered traumatic head, head injuries. He said he remembered trying to pray Hail Marys in the ambulance, but he couldn't quite finish the words. And doctors gave him a 15% chance to live. But at one point he died and the person he came back as was not the same priest as the one he died as. He, um, the story goes much further because he actually came back and he didn't remember what had happened when he was uh, on, in the hospital. It was only later on when he was reading one of the Gospels at Mass, uh, months later, after his recovery, uh, there was that, the parable of the tree that wasn't giving fruit. And um, the, one of the workers in the vineyard said, give it one more year, give me one more year to work on this tree. And if it doesn't change then, if it doesn't produce fruit, you can cut it down. And when he read that, he said the page illuminated and he remembered what had happened after he had uh, died in the hospital. And I'll just read exactly his own words on that. He says, I was before the throne of judgment. Jesus Christ was the judge. I didn't see him. I merely heard him. What took place was instantaneous. He went through my entire life on earth and accused me of sins of commission, the things I did, and omission, the things I refused to do, that were unconfessed and therefore unforgiven and unrepented sins. And which is interesting because he was only judged on the sins he did not confess. He made that very clear. And to each offense, he said, all I could respond was, yes, Lord. He said, I had planned that on my judgment day, I would have all kinds of excuses to say to the Lord for the things I did that I knew in my heart were wrong. But when you're talking to truth personified, you don't have any excuses. So all you say is, yes, Lord. He reached the end of, he, he reached the end of my judgment and said to me, 
your sentence is hell. Again I said, yes, Lord, I know. It was the only logical conclusion that he could have come up with. It was a shock to my system. It was as if he were honoring my choice, my decision to choose against him. I had chosen my sentence. He was merely honoring my choice. It was then, after he had said this, that I heard a woman's voice. Son, would you spare his life and his immortal soul? The Lord said, Mother, he has been a priest twelve years now for himself and not for me. Let him reap the punishment he deserves. She in reply said, But son, what if we give to him special graces and strengths and then see if he bears fruit? If not, your will be done. So that's, that's why that gospel caught him when he read it. Mary said that same word. What if we give him, let me nurture the tree just for one more year, give it special attention, special grace. And then if it doesn't bear fruit, your will be done. There was a very short pause. And then I heard him say, mother, he's yours. Father Shire woke up fully recovered. He actually ended up after that, uh, illumination of conscience he left the diocesan priesthood and now lives a secluded life in a religious order where he prays and makes reparation especially for priests i just want to read a little bit of his i really uh would recommend especially in this time of quarantine when we have so much time watch these interviews on youtube it's just so powerful to see his own testimony talking about what he experienced in this illumination of conscience at his near-death experience. Um, I may just read a little bit of the interview, some of the questions. The person asks, did your judgment experience transform your life? And he says, it has changed my priesthood. More than anything else, I'm very conscious of the pilgrimage here on earth. This period we have is a test, and time is so relative here compared to eternity. And so much depends on my time here. She says, what important things did you learn? His response, it wasn't any question of belief in the tenets of the church, but now to me, heaven and the saints are not merely things on paper or in the books I read or at, or at the services. They are real. I believe with the head and the heart. A lot of our priorities are mixed up. My priority should have been to save my soul and others. What a priest should do, investing in that future, not investing in happiness here on earth. If we run from the cross, there is a bigger cross awaiting us. We have a heavenly mother. Since then, she's been everything. Any of us in the same steed would suffer the same consequences and experience the divine mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ I experienced. His mother is the one who interceded for me. Then the question comes, any other reason you were allowed to live? He says, my mission is to let you know that hell exists and we as priests are liable to it. But also his divine mercy exists. His love outweighs justice. But mention of hell and sin are so unpopular today. He responds, these are things that have to be talked about because they are real and probably the most important things we can talk about. I remember years ago visiting Cardinal William Baum in Rome, and he said, you have a problem in the United States. People are not going to confession anymore. People don't think sin, think they sin anymore. There are no longer lines for the confessional. 
Sometimes a priest sits for an hour without hearing one confession. How strange to me. Everybody goes to communion on Sundays, and nobody goes to confession. I see communions being a matter of mere routine. No thinking about who we are receiving. The idea of the real presence is less and less in the minds of Catholics. And the question comes, do you... Do you find no shine away from telling people the truth is unpopular? He says, right now, to tell the truth is to pay a consequence. The consequence being, we're not going to be liked, and we're going to be talked about and avoided. That's martyrdom, in a way, unbloody martyrdom. But we're all called to be martyrs. We can be and will be if we stand up for the truth, even to the point other people are going to ridicule us for it. Christ never promised us we would be popular being his followers. He only promised us crosses. But the crosses are bearable because he is there and because his blessed mother is there to lighten them. So that's just a little bit of the interviews that he had there. And I really encourage you guys to Take some time, Father Stephen Shire. Look that up on YouTube. You can see a lot of different video interviews um, that he gave about his experience. So the whole idea of an illumination of conscience, though, he says that when he stood before Christ, he always thought that he could rationalize his sin. So many of the ways he acted as a priest, but when he stood before Christ, he said, there's nothing you can say to rationalize your actions that were wrong. When you, stand, when you stand before truth. And all he could say was, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And the Lord honors the decisions we make. That's why one of the worst attitudes we can ever have and so prevalent, prevalent today is, you know, I don't have any regrets in my life. I don't regret anything. It's a form of justification. You know, we don't want to take responsibility for the wrong we've done. The whole point of illumination of conscience is we see that things are we're out of order in our life and we repent. So there can be no repentance in life without the illumination. So the illumination of conscience, like Father uh, Stephen experienced, it's almost like when a room is pitch black dark, you don't see where it's out of order. You don't see the furniture that's turned over or the you know stains on the floor, the cobwebs or whatever might be growing in there. But the more the light comes on, the more you realize, oh wow, things, are, things need, definitely need to be cleaned up. So the further we get from God, as a society and as individuals, the darker our mind becomes. There's a saying, sin makes you stupid. <laughs> sin makes you stupid. That's a, just a really easy way of formulating something St. Thomas Aquinas talks about, which is the fact that sin darkens the intellect. We don't think as clearly uh, the more sin that we have in our mind because sin is darkness and Christ is light. You think about whenever you watch a movie, the more you understand the plot and then the twist, you're like, oh, it makes sense now. I understand, right? Before you were in dark, now your intellect is enlightened and everything becomes clear. Same thing when we see our lives in light of Christ. The further we get from him, the darker it gets. The more we draw closer to him, the more everything becomes clear. And that's why we need tribulations. That's why, you know, the prodigal son didn't turn back until the famine came. So tribulations wake us up. They, they shake us out of, out of our stupor. And they make us think about, number one, Christ. Is he truly God? 
then we start thinking about our life. Am I living in line with his teachings? Because then we start thinking about death and judgment, heaven and hell. If I were to die today, were there any sins in my life that have gone unconfessed? Have I taken advantage of the sacraments? Am I a friend of the saints? Do I rely so powerfully on the intercession of our Blessed Mother, saying the rosary every day, and uh, saying novenas to her and the saints, asking their intercession, and St. Joseph? So tribulations give us that moment to wake up. And God allows this to happen because he's that loving father, just like the prodigal son experiences, who's watching from afar for his son to come back. So God allows the tribulations to wake us up and he's the one to see us from afar, to run out to us and clothe us with his sacraments, to clothe us with every his mercy, everything that we need uh, to be restored into his household. St. Paul, Romans 13, now is the acceptable time, brethren. Now is the time to wake up. The hour has come for you to wake from your slumber. For our salvation is nearer now than we, when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day has drawn near. So let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Illumination of conscience means to wake up. Ephesians 5, wake up, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will enlighten you. Illumination of conscience, it's a gift from God to wake us up and to bring us back from him. And most of all, let's remember the, the older brother, because some of us might, some of you might be like the older brother who is already justified. I have a long way to go. I'm more like the prodigal son probably, but... uh the older brother, you know, he, he who was already in his father's home, he didn't rejoice with the return of his, his brother. Uh, it's an, it's a lesson to those who are living the sacraments, who are in communion with the father, that we need to rejoice and pray and fast and do everything we can, uh, to bring our little brother home. Because right? uh, that, that's the whole point to get everybody into the father's house and house in the end. And we just pray that this time, of coronavirus might lead to a great illumination of conscience for many to look at their lives, to realize where they are, what they've done, and to finally return to the Father's house where he is awaiting them. God bless you all.